Hey, welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yep. We I back. gotta tell you, this is a confession. Every time I listen back to a recording, mm-hmm. to like for editing purposes, yes. and I say, and I'm Haley, I hate how I say my own name. It drives me crazy. Well, how else would you say it? I don't know. I think it, maybe and it's just I'm my name. I'm Haley. I think it's just my name. <laughs> <laughs> Need like a podcast stage name. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> a performer name. Oh my gosh. All the anonymous, yeah, all the anonymous hosts of shows, they've got it figured out. Yeah. So well, smart. You don't have to say your name. That's that's it. That's all the that's the secret right there. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know about starting a podcast really is as long as you have a fake name, you'll be fine. Or a name that doesn't sound weird when you say it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we might as well jump right in. Sure. My love, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a delicious raspberry tea. Mm. Super hot. Super tasty. Nice. I do. I do always feel a little weird about drinking hot fruit beverages. <laughs> There's something a little weird to have something that's hot and fruity. Sure. <laughs> New band name. I call it <laughs> hot and fruity. Hot and fruity. Oh man. Yeah. What about you? What do you have? I am drinking a very special um, ale from the old Vallas Pumpkin Patch here in oh. Omaha. I got it for I, I, another Christmas gift. That's hilarious. It was a big old bottle of their. Um, I think it's called Love Potion. Uh, it's like the like pineapple. That. It's like, yeah, Pineapple Love Potion, I think is what it's called. So. Yeah. Yum. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I took a sip. It's pretty good. I thought you had ginger ale when I looked at it. Mm. I could see that. Yeah. But it is it is definitely alcoholic. It's good. <laughs> nice. It's good. It's a tasty little ale. I'm not usually a huge like fan of the super fruity ales mm-hmm. anymore, but uh, that one is very good. I'm a fan. Good. I'm glad you like yeah. it. All right. Well, my love, do you have a feel-good fact for us today? I do. This one's okay. cute. I can't wait. So bears have been observed sitting at scenic lookout points, unmoving. Scientists believe that they do this because they're watching nature and have the capacity to appreciate beautiful scenery, which is the cutest. Oh, yeah. They just sit there and they're just like <laughs> observing. <laughs> they just like seeing it. Yeah. Look that up on Google. Wow. You will not be disappointed. With a little grin in their little ears. They look so wise too. <laughs> like they're thinking about something important. Yeah. And appreciating the scenery. That is very sweet. It and is. I, I, I love that. But now is the time you have to come and crush our souls after lifting us up to such such heights and such tender moments. Yeah. What okay. do you have for us today? All right. <laughs> Deep in the Wisconsin Northwoods, amongst the dense trees and lakes that dot the landscape, lies the remains of a once great mansion. For over a hundred years, tales of visions and whispers of the dead, invisible gunshots, and horrifying dimensional shifting abilities all lie within the walls of Summerwind. When the Hinshaw family bought the long-abandoned manor that they planned to restore and live in for the rest of their lives, it wouldn't be long before they, too, started hearing and seeing things that they couldn't explain. Hmm. But it was the discovery of a partial human skeleton, complete with long black hair, tucked into a hidden crawl space that marked the beginning of the nightmare of a lifetime. This is the story of the Summerwind Mansion. Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy. Ooh, okay. All right, so the mansion itself was constructed in 1914 along the shoreline of West Bay Lake, 
and it was originally intended to be a fishing lodge. Hmm. At the time that it was built, Land O'Lakes, Wisconsin was an affluent area that was growing at a steady pace. In order to escape their crazy lives in the city, folks would look for less traveled places where they could create a place of escape, like a summer home or a fishing lodge. Mm -hmm. The Northwoods area was perfect for that. It was scenic, remote, and boasted the beautiful West Bay Lake, and so cabins and larger mansion-like buildings were constructed along the shores. And they were kind of like the perfect place to retreat and take a break. So the fishing lodge that would eventually become Summerwind Mansion was built by a man named John H. Frank. He built the building that would become the lodge, as well as a bunch of smaller cabins and outbuildings that he planned to use as a money-making venture. Hmm. If he could rent places like this out to the wealthy, he could make a killing. But he decided to sell the property in its entirety in 1916. Hmm. The man who bought the property was Robert Patterson Lamont. Lamont was a sharp and savvy businessman who would eventually become the Secretary of Commerce for President Herbert Hoover and would become the president of American Iron and Steel Institute. Hmm. It's like he was like a real bigwig. Yeah. He was married to his wife, Gertrude, and the couple had three children together. Two daughters, Gertrude and Dorothy, and one son, Robert II. When he first laid eyes on the magnificent property nestled right along the picturesque West Bay Lake, he was immediately in love with it. He bought the property and quickly contacted an architectural firm out of Chicago to come and add on to the lodge. And within two years, the Lamont Mansion was complete. Yeah, and it kind of had like a million different nicknames. I don't oh, okay. really know why. So if you hear me say the names interchangeably, it's the same place. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. So it started off as like a smaller fishing resort. Sure. And he built on to it. So yeah. now it's this massive, massive it's, project. Okay. Yeah. It had 20 rooms, three Jeez. separate fireplaces, several outbuildings, and over 80 acres of land. So the, the Lamonts actually nicknamed the property Lilac Hills, mm-hmm. and they looked forward to visiting from their other mansion in Forest Lake, Illinois, which like, what a life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is my summer mansion. <laughs> Here's my summer mansion. Here's my year, school year mansion. Right. <laughs> I have just a Christmas break mansion mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in Mexico, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Shortly after the construction was complete, the Lamonts filled the home with expensive fine art one-of-a-kind antique furniture, expensive clothing, and a pool table that was estimated to have cost $25,000 in 1929, which would be somewhere around $437,000 today. Jeez. So I feel like the pool table really illustrates the kinds of things that the Lamonts were putting into the home. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of next level. Certain values that some of us don't share (laughs) because we can't afford to share those values. We can't have that value. (laughs) No. So while the Lamont family didn't live on the property full-time, the home was, like many others like it, in need of constant upkeep. Hmm. And so they had a house staff that lived in like housing quarters. They called it servants' quarters. I don't really know the Hmm. logistics of that. Sure. Uh, Like what if that's just the terminology of the time or what. Um, But the servants' quarters were either attached to the mansion or like right next to it. Mm-hmm. And it would serve as like a place for the maids, gardeners, chefs, et cetera, to sleep. Hmm. It would actually be the staff who would first report odd occurrences at Lilac Hills. These things started out small. Servants would tell Mrs. Lamont that they were seeing and smelling odd things and that they were concerned that the place was haunted. Mrs. Lamont kind of laughed it off. She's like, you know, ghosts aren't real. You're imagining things. Like, hmm. Let's move on with life. 
But still, reports from the servants continued on and only got more frequent and more frightening. When the Lamonts would leave the property and head back to Illinois at the end of the summer, the servants would stay behind to care for the home and the land. Mm-hmm. Winters in Wisconsin are notoriously like significant. Significant snowfall, super mm-hmm. cold, yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff. I feel like we're not that far off in Nebraska from the types of winters that they get up there, but I still feel like they have a little bit more of an intense. They definitely, I mean, cause, yeah, because they bordered it to Canada. So right. they're a little bit further north than we are. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, it can get crazy. Yes. And so back in the day, even more so than now, an already isolated property like Lilac Hills was basically impossible to mm. get to or to leave from during yeah. the winter. So it was during one winter in particular that the servants began actually seeing things that confirmed their suspicions that the place was haunted. They began to see a translucent woman who would stare at them through the main window in the servants' quarters. Oh, jeez. They'd see her out in the courtyard near the servants' quarters as well. So when word got to Robert Lamont that the servants were being terrified by a ghostly woman, he wrote it off as a sort of mania from being stuck inside for long stretches of time. (laughs) But I mean, that I'm trying to illustrate the point here that the Lamonts were not like, ooh, we've got a haunted house. They were like, that's not a real thing. Everybody chill out. Like, you're you're just getting yourself (laughs) freaked out because you've been stuck inside for months, you know? Yeah. So Robert Lamont would quickly change his mind when he and his family would have an encounter of their own. Ooh. One night, when the family had just wrapped up dinner, they were enjoying dessert when suddenly they had their quiet evening interrupted by the sound of the door to the basement pantry pounding like crazy. Mm. Pistol in hand, Mr. Lamont walked into the kitchen and towards the basement pantry door that was wildly shaking as if someone was frantically trying to open it from the other side. He knew that nobody was down there, and so he tried to like slow his racing heart, calm his breathing down as he approached the door, and he drew his gun. Hmm. When suddenly the door blasted open, and in the darkened doorway stood a silent, ghostly form of a man that he described as being far too tall, dressed in all black and swaying as though made from smoke pushed by the breeze. (laughs) Very, like, honestly, a basement cellar pantry is scary enough. Yeah. But then a figure that's (laughs) too tall and looks like Smoke blowing on the breeze. (laughs) That's enough for me. So he fired two frantic gunshots at the ghostly man before it disappeared, leaving only two bullet holes behind in the door. That very night, the Lamont family quickly packed up a few essentials that they'd brought to Lilac Hills and hightailed it out of there, never to return again. (laughs) They left expensive antique furniture, fine art, that crazy expensive pool table, and all. They left all of it. So... I'm very curious as to what you think about them having one creepy experience and leaving because we don't always see that. It's true. In spooky stories. It's true. It's rare. I mean, because we, we've talked so many about where people have one experience and they either try to write it off or mm-hmm. just say, you know, like, that'll never happen again, you know, whatever. Like, they, they were just out, especially considering that they were unbelievers of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but i don't know maybe that maybe that's the biggest thing is they were like so starkly unbelievers of that right a very direct and extreme experience and they were like well we were wrong let's go we're never coming back here yeah 
Hmm. So considering that they'd owned the home for 15 years at this point, and that they'd been totally skeptical of all of the reports of hauntings up until Mr. Lamont's experience, it is pretty crazy that they straight up abandoned the home and all of their fine goods after one run-in with something unexplained. Hmm. While they never went back, the Lamonts did maintain ownership of the mansion until Robert's passing in 1948. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they just kind of let it sit there. I'll, I'll get into this in a second. Okay. So interestingly enough, the Lamonts, despite their wealthy status in and among high society, were pretty much never written about or talked about after this incident. Today, nobody really knows what happened between the time that they abandoned the mansion and the time that Mr. Lamont passed away. But during that time that they weren't visiting, the home sat alone and quiet Mm -hmm. with only a few household staff members occasionally coming by to like tidy certain things. But even that would be short-lived. And so the mansion sat and slowly began rotting in the elements. Hmm. The next owners, Mr. and Mrs. Kiefer bought the home in 1948 and had big dreams of kind of sprucing it up and turning it into a bed and breakfast. Hmm. And it's like, if you look at pictures of the, like, the location, it is super beautiful. Wow. Like in every way, it does seem like it would be like the ideal bed and breakfast mm-hmm. location. But oh, tragically, cool. Mr. Kiefer passed away in the home within six months of purchasing it. He was found dead of a heart attack inside of the mansion. Oh. While there was no paranormal activity reported during this time, it was the mark of a new trend for anyone who owned the mansion. Hmm. Misfortune yeah. seemed to follow every family who tried to make the mansion theirs in any way. Mrs. Kiefer sold the home multiple times after her husband's passing, but every time a sale would go through, the newest owners would suddenly be hit with major financial hardship, causing them to lose the home. And for whatever reason, like I have no idea how this is even like legal, every time a sale would end in like a foreclosure or anything Mm -hmm. like that, from whichever tenant happened to be unlucky enough to purchase the place, the home would land back in Mrs. Kiefer's possession. Oh, weird. I don't know why the bank didn't take it. Yeah. But it kept defaulting back to Mrs. Kiefer. She huh. tried over and over again to get rid of the home. I think she sold it like seven different times or six, six different times maybe. Oh my goodness. Crazy. So she resorted to selling off lots of land. Like she would kind of like, mm-hmm. she sectioned off lots and sold that. But even still, when she would try to sell the lot with the mansion on it, it would always fall through. Weird. After her husband's passing, Mrs. Kiefer refused to enter the home ever again. She said it just gave her a bad feeling. So she would sit outside during showings and refuse to enter at all. She had a, yeah, she just, I don't know what it was. Yeah. She never was super open about it, but she was like, nope, I have no interest in going in there. This is not my place. This is evil. Yes. So with stories from the past Mm. and present circulating through the surrounding towns, it became increasingly interesting to the public at large. And so the property earned itself the nickname, the old haunted house. And there it Classic. sat, yeah. <laughs> and there it sat, continuing to decay as the years went by. The expensive furniture and much of the fine art was actually swiped by strangers throughout the decades. Oh, weird! <laughs> yeah, people being totally fearless to go in. Yeah, there was also like stuff. vandalism and stuff yeah, like that yeah. too. But I feel like it's pretty notable that this like crazy expensive stuff was just like mm-hmm. people just walked in and walked out with it. Oh man! Like the good honestly, old days. good for you. Like. <laughs> You get your payday. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they left it there. Yeah. Just true. saying and just saying. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so covered in cobwebs and shrouded in mystery, it would be quite some time before anyone would be interested in the house. 
That is until a young woman named Ginger Hinshaw laid her eyes on it. When she was visiting Lander Lakes to see a friend, the friend told her about the old haunted house and asked if she wanted to go see it. From the very second she laid eyes on the home, Ginger felt like it was like calling out to her, mm. almost like it needed her. Let's no, just run away. Yeah, if you that's ever feel compelled by a home, just get just, out of there. I, I, I am not safe here. <laughs> she told her new husband, Arnold, about the home. Together, Ginger and Arnold toured the crumbling home and saw only one thing. Potential. Ginger had spent a lot of time moving around, and so the idea that this glorious mansion could be her forever home made her swell with joy and excitement. Hmm. Arnold ran a construction company and was very knowledgeable in, like, restoring a home. Mm -hmm. And so in 1969, Ginger and Arnold, along with their four children, bought the home. Hmm. Yep, they began moving in right away. Wow. Ginger had four children from a previous marriage, and Arnold and the children actually were very close. He was a super sweet man who really loved and cared for each of the kids as they, you know, as if they were his own. Yeah. And so the beginning of this new chapter was one of excitement and joy for the Hinshaws, with only one exception. Ginger's nine-year-old daughter, April. April had a bad feeling about the home immediately after she and her family arrived. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. She didn't know why she felt that way, but her dislike and almost fear of the house was instantaneous. Mm. But regardless, Ginger and Arnold began restoration efforts right away. They got through as many projects as they could in a relatively short time. Ginger began obsessing with restoring the home to its former glory. Hmm. Like, I feel like that's relatable to a sense where like you get excited about a project and like yeah. that's all you want to do with your time. I get that. But she she had like a, it was almost like a compulsion. Yeah. Every minute she was awake, she was like, like manically yeah. attacking a project. Well, I mean, you literally said she felt like this compulsion to the house in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like there's something happening. Yeah. Yes. So one day Ginger was rummaging through a closet and she actually found the original blueprints of the home. And so she Mm. fell deeper and deeper into her obsession. She like, I can, I can, I've got a framework for what things are supposed to be like. Now I can make it exactly like it used to be. She went through 11 paint colors in one room because she wanted it to look exactly like it had in its heyday. Mm. Arnold got through all of the projects that he could and began contacting local contractors for the bigger projects that he knew he wouldn't be able to complete on his own. It's weird because contractors would be all in and so excited to begin work on the home, but whenever they would ask Arnold for the address so they could come out and start the project, they would come up with some excuse as to why they suddenly couldn't work on the home Oh, after they learned where it was. And so Arnold had no help. Some contractors would hear that the house that needed restoring was the old haunted Lamont mansion and would help by bringing necessary tools and supplies to Arnold. And they'd kind of like tell him and explain to him, here's how you do this specific project. Interesting. But they would leave (laughs) the supplies at like the very edge of the property. Like they were too afraid to even drive all the way up to the house. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, so, so very that, superstitious. Yes. Well, and there's a there's a lore about the house that the community at large knows about. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's pretty crazy. Like, it is. That's a that's a legacy, honestly. It is to go that long. Huh. Okay. It is for sure. So around this same time, the family began to notice some changes in Arnold. He was almost always on edge and became snappy and angry, especially with the children, for no actual reason. Hmm. 
He would yell at them for opening windows that they swore they had never touched. Windows that Ginger had sworn that she had closed just seconds before Arnold entered the room and found them open. Oh, Very strange. So as tensions between Arnold and the rest of the family grew, odd occurrences around the home started happening more frequently. These things, once again, started out pretty small. Mm -hmm. Ginger would be lasered into a painting project when suddenly her focus would be interrupted by the distinct feeling that someone or something was watching her. She and the children would see figures moving in their periphery, and lights and appliances would flicker on and off, seemingly by themselves. They would hear whispers at all hours of the day and night, and would see shadows underneath the closed doors of rooms that they were certain were empty. Like they could see someone was walking, like like on the haunting of Hill House uh-huh, uh-huh. under the red room. Yeah, could see the shadows, you know. Oh my god, like that. So they would fling the door open, and they'd be met with only like a dirty, dusty, empty room. Mm-hmm. The Hinshaws all also began seeing a woman with long hair. They all said the same thing about her: that she did not look like a ghost. Hmm. She looked like a regular old person. She would walk back and forth outside of the French doors leading to the dining room, and when someone would see her. They'd like look away for a second to like call out for a family member to let them know like, hey, we've got a guest here. I don't know who it is. But then when they would turn back towards the woman, she'd be gone. And like all of them had that experience. Oh, that's worse. So there's just so many weird things. So the appliances would stop working. Mm -hmm. So when the Hinchas would call for a repairman to come and fix the appliance, they'd be shocked to learn that the appliance was in perfect working order as if like the appliance had fixed itself. (laughs) Very strange. Wow. One day, Arnold was walking to his car, and just as he was about to get in, the whole vehicle suddenly burst into flames. For no What? He didn't start it. There wasn't like a technical malfunction or something. It just burst into flames. Gosh, that's like Godfather, but worse, because you don't you you don't have the mafia coming after you. Right. It's like take the mafia over the coast. I didn't that's a joke. For legal reasons. Yes. That's a joke. (laughs) Arnold also got the odd feeling of being watched, and that seemed to only fuel his anger and frustration. But they did their best to trudge ahead with making repairs on their dream home. That summer, they were working in a closet in one of the bedrooms. There was a built-in shoe rack inside of the closet, and they wanted to remove it so that they could paint the whole wall and not just, like, paint around the shelf. Mm -hmm. And when they pulled it out, they noticed a large, empty space behind the wall, kind of like a crawl space. Oh. Okay. While they couldn't climb into the space, Arnold busted out his flashlight and began to look around inside when suddenly he jumped back in shock. There was a corpse inside. (gasps) Oh, geez. At first, Arnold thought it was an animal. When the kids got home later that day, Arnold inexplicably sent nine-year-old April into the crawl space because she could fit. Because he wanted to confirm his suspicions that there was something dead in there. Mm -hmm. And to figure out, like, how big is this space? Is there any other ways that, like, we could get into it in order to clean it out? So, like, April, get in there. Poor thing. So, when he sent her in, after a very short minute, April screamed at the top of her lungs. It was not the corpse of an animal. It was a partial human skeleton with bits of long hair still attached to the skull. Despite their shocking discovery, the Hinshaw family never reported their findings to the police. Instead, they patched up the hole in the wall and never spoke of it again. Oh, geez. That's not the right thing to do. Can we just say (laughs) that you're seeing figures in Uh the house. You're hearing voices. You're seeing creepy things all the time. And then you find a body in the walls. 
<laughs> one one oh, might surmise that yeah. like the body in the walls could have something to do. Might have something to do with it, or at the very least, might be uh, a, a a piece of the puzzle. My personal <laughs> opinion on the matter is that this is the overarching problem in the home. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is my theory out front. So it would have had to have been there for like how many years at this point? Like seventy, close, like fifty-ish oh, or okay. so. Okay. So somewhere well, in that. What year is it right now? Uh, Nineteen sixty-nine. Okay. Okay. Yes. Cool. So it's going to start getting real, real crazy. Okay. It was shortly after this discovery that Arnold's mental state went from bad to outright awful. Mm. On top of his spiraling anger that was usually aimed at the children, he started to become obsessed with an old organ in the home. He Mm. said that he felt compelled to play it, like he had to play this organ. At first, the songs were at least somewhat concise, but soon he started playing two mismatched tunes at, at once. Oh. Making the music sound and feel very uncomfortable and almost scary. Yeah. And he would do this all night long, all the time. Like, he would mostly do it at night when people were trying to sleep. Oh, uh, uh, that's so creepy. I mean, it's just Just, terrifying. So, And he also would get pretty much no sleep because he would, Mm -hmm. like, lay down at dawn, sleep for a few hours, and then start angrily, like, kind of blustering around the house. Yeah. Crazy. So when Ginger or any of the kids would tell him that he needed to stop playing a church organ at all hours of the night, he told them that he had to and that the demons in his head told him that he couldn't stop playing. Otherwise, something bad would happen. What? Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Night after night, Arnold would drown out the demons in his head with the bellowing, unsettling tunes, and his family only grew more afraid of him. Mm-hmm. During this time, Ginger's odd obsession with the restoration grew as well, and she, much like Arnold, felt compelled by some unseen force to continue on with her task. Oh my gosh, just move. Well, and like it's weird because <laughs> neither neither of them can really see the anything wrong with their states of mind. They feel like they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously not thinking rationally and clearly. Right. right. Very bizarre. But they can also identify the other person as being irrational. Yeah. Which is very strange. Yeah. Wow. Well, and it was like an all encompassing, kind of like relentless state of dread for everyone in the home. And it didn't matter if it was day or night, Mm -hmm. it was just constant. Wow. The family would also be pulled from sleep by the sounds of crying. They described it this is going to freak you out. You're going to get goosebumps. They described it as something mimicking the sound of a baby crying, but not quite human. Oh, yeah. That's, I feel like we've heard that before. We've had a story where that's been like, like a description of a sound. I want to say it was like one of the stories of a, uh, like kind of a paranormal location Mm -hmm. also. So that's like, that might be, yeah, that could be from when we talked about, uh, the place down in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Ooh, yeah. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, so furniture would move on its own accord. The family would be tormented by disembodied voices whispering or saying their names or by the sounds of being followed by loud footsteps. They'd turn around and the footsteps would either instantly stop and there was no one actually behind them, but sometimes the footsteps would continue when they would turn around to try and see who or what was following them. And the sound of the footsteps would continue up the wall and across the ceiling. Good. Like they could hear the, like the steps walking beside them and then moving up above their heads. This is like my worst nightmare. That's like, oh my gosh. Terrifying. Just, oh. The feeling of being watched was pretty much nonstop for every single family member. Wow. Daytime was not any better for the kids. Arnold seemed to hit a fever pitch with his anger around like late summer-ish. One night, the family pet raccoon escaped the house. They had a pet raccoon, which nice. is so punk rock and I love it. <laughs> Arnold flew into a fury aimed squarely at the kids, and he tried to force them outside into the dark woods to go find the raccoon. Ginger saw it and kept this from happening, mm-hmm. and so Arnold stormed out of the house, and he found the raccoon. Content warning, sadly. I'm going to mm-hmm. mention violence against animals, just as a heads up. If you wanted to skip forward a second. I do, but I, I can't. You're I not allowed. I don't get to. Yeah. So he brought the raccoon back inside and he made the children watch as he killed it oh. as like a punishment for them being careless. Oh my gosh. That's why is what that? Why is that the punishment? That's so dumb. Ugh. So cruel and so sad. Arnold. I know. Recognizing that things were spiraling completely out of control. Ginger tried to engage in activities that had once brought her joy. She invited some friends over for a dinner party. She loved hosting parties, and so she thought, okay, I know the house still needs work and that we're in pretty like dire straits here at the moment, but maybe we just need a taste of something familiar mm-hmm. that we all love and enjoy to snap us back to normal. Sure. At one point in the evening, conversation was flowing and everyone was having a great time. Ginger stepped out of the dining area to go get something from the kitchen when suddenly she heard a sharp scream coming from the other room. She raced back to her friends who were all in hysterics. They said that they saw a figure of a man with a twisted, contorted face that appeared in the room right in front of them. The friends got up and sprinted out the door, and Ginger never heard from a single one of those friends ever again. That is the correct move. But like, it's not Ginger's fault. It's not Ginger's fault. Well, but that's what Ginger should have also done with her whole family months before. (laughs) It's easy to say that when you're not in it. It's also like... In stories like this one, they bought this house and like they got a good deal on it, but mm-hmm. like they're sinking everything into this house. Like they are putting all of their time, all of their money, all of their effort into this house. You don't just leave. Sure. They're not Lamont rich. They can't just take off to their other mansion. Well, okay. That is that is a fair point to make. I hear that. I understand it. I would still get the heck out of that house. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like it's it's way easier to say that than it would actually be to pull that off. Yeah, I guess. I feel like maybe I would be like, maybe we should like rent a camper <laughs> and like sleep outside yeah. for like a couple of weeks and see if we feel better. Yeah. I you feel know? like by the 60s, well, maybe not. I was about to say by the 60s, I wonder if there was a little bit of like a, a just like a cult following of like spooky places like that where there's some really wealthy person who loves buying haunted houses and owning them. Hmm. That would be an interesting thing to dig into. Yeah, but maybe not by the 60s quite yet. I feel like that's a little bit more of a modern thing. So, mm-hmm. But maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that would be an interesting topic to dive into, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So up until this time, we're going to notice a theme here. Ginger was a self-described skeptic. She didn't believe in ghosts or hauntings or anything remotely paranormal or really even spiritual. Hmm. But now she was convinced. She and her family were dealing with something out of the realm of her understanding, and it was only getting worse. Mm. Arnold's nightly organ playing became even more scary. The songs that he played at this time were described as sounding demonic, according to Ginger. Like it would be like two different pitches and tones and two different speeds at the same time. Oh, gosh, yeah. It was just like very unnerving. Lots of dissonance and, oh. And he was also taking shorter breaks from his organ playing. Like he mm. used to like take six hour breaks. Now he's taking three hour breaks from it. So it's Jeez. almost constant day and night that he's playing an organ by himself. So strange. So the kids are all also convinced that it was the house mm-hmm. that was causing this bizarre shift in the man that they once loved and trusted to keep them safe and happy. Yeah. From this point on, Arnold didn't speak another word to his family. Not a single syllable. Oh, What? It got to the point where the kids and Ginger preferred to sneak outside in the middle of the night and they would sleep at the edge of the forest by their home rather than continuing to attempt to sleep in their own home. It was such a dark time for the children that even the two little ones who were eight and nine years old had dark thoughts of self-harm and worse. Oh, that's really sad. It was really serious. Really, really serious. It got so bad that Arnold lost his construction business because he stopped going to work. What? Because he had to play his organ. He'd stopped going to work. Oh, wow. With the lack of income, the family lost almost everything. They couldn't pay to heat the home once winter arrived. And the water ended up getting shut off, so they had to move all of the mattresses in front of the fireplace in order to stay warm at night, and they had to go get their water from the lake. They even had to resort to burning furniture and various bits of original carpentry from around the home in order to stay warm during the freezing Wisconsin winter. Wow. Like, oh my. like desperately bad yeah. situation here. Jeez. So Ginger couldn't stand it anymore. Under the cover of darkness late one night, Ginger snuck out of her home and she ran through the woods to her neighbor's home and asked if she could use their phone so she could call her dad. She called him and asked if he could come get her and the children immediately. And by morning, Ginger's father, Raymond Bober, arrived with a trailer to whisk the family out of the terror of the house and to Granton, Wisconsin, where Ginger and the children would live with her parents until she could get back on her feet. Hmm. Arnold stayed behind. So there are conflicting reports about what happened to Arnold, but the most consistent report is that after staying home alone for a short period, Arnold was sent to an inpatient mental health center to receive treatment, and nobody else from the family ever spoke to him again. Wow. Oh, that's really sad. Heartbreaking, because they were happy. Like, they were really happy. And they were young. 
Mm. And they were like, our family dream is coming true. It's like super devastating. Ginger filed for divorce from Arnold during this time and would eventually get remarried to a man named George Olson. But she she had vowed that she would never set foot on the property again. And I say that open-ended for a reason. Mm, okay. Arnold's fate has led to many discussions about the predisposition to mental health struggles and mental breaks brought on by intense stressors, such as buying an old crumbling mansion and trying to restore it on your own with virtually no help. Yeah. Getting married, becoming a step-parent, etc. He had a lot of stressors mm. on top of the potential weirdness in the house. So while I couldn't find anything about Arnold's mental health prior to moving into Summerwind, everyone close to him said that he'd been a notoriously sweet, giving, and kind-hearted man, and that how he had behaved at Summerwind was completely contradictory to anything they'd ever seen from him before. Yeah. Many people argue that for some reason, people who attempt to move into Summerwind are almost guaranteed to be met with misery and misfortune, and that if we follow that logic— Arnold was just another casualty of whatever strange hold that summer wind has on people. Yeah. Wow. On the drive to her parents' home, Ginger explained everything that had happened to her father. It wasn't that Raymond didn't believe her, but he was also a skeptic, and the idea of a haunted house kind of sounded silly to him. He Mm. was obviously concerned for his daughter and his grandkids, and he did believe that they'd been through something significant and traumatic— but he was far from convinced that they'd been having some sort of paranormal experience at Summerwind. For the next couple of years, Ginger, who, like I said before, had previously not been convinced about the paranormal, she decided to study everything that she could get her hands on about the world of the paranormal in an attempt to gain a better understanding of what had happened to her family. During that time, she and her children moved to Canada and life began to move forward at kind of like a comfortable pace for everyone once yeah, again. Okay. But That's there was good. one person who could not get Summerwind out of his mind. Raymond Bober, Ginger's mm. dad. Uh-huh. He said that when he saw the house, it was almost like a wet puppy begging and reaching out for comfort. He felt a compulsion towards the mansion. Oh, we've heard that before. And finally, in spring of 1972, he made a call to the owner of the home at the time. Some reports said that the woman was named Mrs. Murray, but I'm pretty like I'm pretty positive it was actually Mrs. Kiefer. Hmm, okay. That would make sense, yeah. Yeah. So, regardless, he told her that he wanted to come look at the mansion and that he intended to turn it into a bed and breakfast. The owner met Raymond and his son, Ray, who had just returned home after serving a tour overseas, and they went to go see Summerwind for themselves. Raymond believed that Ray needed a project because he was actually, I think, discharged from the military at this time. Mm. And he thought that maybe if he had something to like focus his time and energy on after returning home from something really serious yeah, like yeah. war, that maybe this would be like a, a positive step for them. You would hope, but we'll see. <laughs> And so they actually bought the property. It was shortly after buying the property that Raymond found an old sign that had the word Summerwind on it. And from that time forward, that was the name of the mansion. Mm. Ray and Raymond hauled their camper onto the property and lived in, in that while they were working on restoring the mansion. After sitting in the elements for a few more years, along with the decades of sitting in the elements that it had previously done, yeah. the house was in really bad shape. I'm sure. The first chunk of time was just spent like cleaning it up. Like, we got to pick up garbage and wash walls and all that kind of stuff. Almost right away, both men noted an eerie feeling in the air. 
they both got the sense that they were being watched all the time whenever they were inside of the home. They also both noted a particular chill in the air while they worked, even like when it was warm outside. Mm -hmm. One super weird thing that they experienced was that when they took measurements of the dimensions of different rooms around the home, they'd be shocked to discover later that the dimensions were very different. Hmm. Like when they measured it a second time. Like every single measurement was off by several feet. So they'd go back and remeasure it a third time and the dimensions would be completely different again. Oh, to every room? Yes. Oh, geez. They also took photos of different rooms. Mm -hmm. And in the photos, there would be furniture and fixtures in the room that were not there in person. What? Or the furniture would be in a completely different spot in the photo than it was in person. And they both swore that neither of them had moved it. It's like there would be a chair on the west wall. And then it would be upside down on the north side of the room in person. I'm like, I keep getting goosebumps throughout all these because these little little nuggets throughout are just like so creepy and just unnerving. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Shortly after cleanup, they began working on some of the first like improvement projects at the home, and they reached out to contractors for the bigger projects. Initially, just like Arnold, the men were met with excitement from the contractors Mm -hmm. that they'd reached out to, but once the contractors learned that it was the old haunted mansion on the lake, Mm -hmm. they would either flat out decline the job, or they would make all kinds of excuses as to why they, like, you know, we can't fit it in our schedule. Mm -hmm. Maybe, Mm -hmm. Maybe we can get to it next year. Oh, sorry, like, that's not really our specialty. And it's like, really? Flooring isn't your specialty and your name is like R&R Floors? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So one day, Ray had an experience in the mansion that he refused to speak about. Mm. He said he saw something that brought him straight out of his skepticism of the supernatural and into such terror that he couldn't even verbalize it to those closest to him for a long time. Mm. He'd make excuses as to why he couldn't finish a project or go to work on anything inside of Summerwind. He'd say that the chainsaw broke or that other tools weren't working and that kind of thing. So whatever it was that he saw, it profoundly changed him. Yeah. Ray was a pretty like tough guy or like an unbothered guy from what I gathered, Mm -hmm. but his experience brought out the worst anxiety he'd ever experienced in his whole life. He would shake or bounce his legs whenever he sat down and fidget and he would like constantly bite his fingernails, which he never had that problem before. One day when Ginger, her kids, and Ray were all at Raymond's house, she noticed Ray biting his nails. She'd been studying hypnosis, and so she told him that maybe she could use what she'd learned to help him with his nail biting. She put him into a trance and sort of worked through the basic questions when suddenly the lights started to flicker on and off and Ray's voice completely changed. No. In a voice that was not his own, that was way lower and much more menacing than his own, Ray would speak these words, quote, I am strong. My children are weak. You were weak and I am strong. I am very old and have seven children and I despise them all for they are weak and I am strong, end quote. Wow. He repeated variations of those phrases while Ginger frantically tried to break him out of his trance. He was shaking and speaking in this like monster voice. Yeah. So fully believing that he was possessed right in front of her eyes. And when the usual methods for breaking hypnosis were not working, Ginger commanded a spirit to leave Ray's body and to give her back her brother. And suddenly, silence. (sighs) Ray woke up, confused and with no memory of what had just happened. 
He described feeling like he had a minor headache, but that like he kind of like looked around and everybody's in total shock and he has <laughs> yeah. no idea why. Interestingly wow. enough, they'd actually recorded the hypnosis session. No way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Raymond, who was the most skeptical of the bunch, was and he, you know, he was never moved by this sort of thing ever. <laughs> yeah. But when they listened back to the tape, not only did Ray tell his dad about what had happened to him in the home that scared him so badly, which I'll share about in a minute, mm-hmm. but Raymond actually believed Ray and also Ginger. He believed that all of them had experienced something supernatural. Oh my. So this is what Ray said happened in the home. Mm -hmm. He was working inside on a project when suddenly he heard a myriad of disembodied voices talking and whispering from some unseen place. As he walked around to try and figure out the source of the noise, there was a loud, sharp growling noise followed by two gunshots that sounded like they were coming from the kitchen. When he entered the kitchen, he smelled the distinct scent of gunpowder. He'd done Mm. several tours in Vietnam. Like, he knew what gunpowder smelled like. He also knew that it had rained the night before. So when he went to go look and see if someone else was there and was either messing with him or maybe wanted to go as far as to hurt him, he was surprised to discover that the only shoe prints in the mud around the home belonged to him. Wow. So there's nobody else there. Yeah. But he's hearing all these things and, Mm -hmm. oh, my God. So he went back inside and he looked around in the kitchen. And that's when he noticed the old door to the cellar and the two very old bullet holes in the door. Oh. He looked around and he felt the sense that some kind of presence had rushed at him. And so he ran as fast as he could out of the house. So when Ray told this story to his father, Raymond, kind of like almost like confession style, told Ginger and Ray about what he'd learned about the original owners of the home. And he told them the story of Robert Lamont's experience mm-hmm. and like kind of drew some parallels. It's very oh. strange. You smelled gunpowder. Yeah. You heard gunshots. There's those two bullet holes that were like way old. Yeah. I've been there forever now. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So <laughs> convinced finally that something strange was in fact happening, Raymond asked Ginger to put him under hypnosis as well in case there was even a tiny chance that they could learn more about Summerwind and what it was that like, I don't know, inhabited the space? Yeah. Question mark? She put Raymond under, and he told everyone in the room that he saw himself at Summerwind. He was wandering around in the basement, and behind some stones that he pulled out of one of the walls, he found a box. Inside of the box was a land grant that was written in 1767. Jeez. The grant belonged to a man by the name of Jonathan Carver. When Ginger pulled Raymond out of his trance, he had no idea what had happened to him, and so they explained what he'd said. He'd never heard the name Jonathan Carver before, but they were all relieved that it finally seemed like maybe they had some cl- like kind of mm. clue that they could use to solve the mystery of Summerwind Mansion. Yeah, you would hope so. So who was Jonathan Carver? Jonathan Carver was an explorer in the late 1700s whose greatest accomplishment was settling a dispute and negotiating a peace treaty between two rival Native American tribes. To thank him for this massive leap forward, he was gifted a huge portion of land in present-day northern Wisconsin, the land that Summerwind sits on. Yeah. What are the odds that Raymond would have said all of this while under hypnosis, and it turns out that it was like a real dude with actual connections to the land? Which is super, I think this is so bizarre. Yes, that is super bizarre. The trouble with the land grant was that though he had told his children about it, after he had passed away, none of them could find it. 
Mm. So even though the land was supposedly theirs to inherit, without that document, they lost all claim to the land. Mm. Ginger, Raymond, and Ray all wondered if the spiritual activity had something to do with Jonathan Carver or his children, that maybe some of the unrest within the walls of Summerwind could be settled if they could find the land grant. Like maybe they could bring some kind of like peace to the descendants of this man. That was yeah. kind of their goal. Yeah. Which like, it's a little bit grasping at straws, but I also get it. it. At this point, you're just trying to make anything work. Make anything make a little sense. <laughs> yeah. So I do get it. So the next step was to try and figure out if the land grant was in a box in the house and if it could offer them any fresh insights. Like if they could find mm-hmm. it and read mm-hmm. it, maybe it would clarify some things. Yeah. They were all terrified to do it, but they knew that the only way they could ever do anything with this clue was if they all went to the house and looked through it together. They went to the exact spot that Raymond had seen while he was under hypnosis, and the stones easily came loose from the wall, which is interesting. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Behind that spot, there was an empty space behind the wall, but they couldn't see a box of any kind. For months, they scoured the entire property, inside of the home and outside, through every room, in every possible nook and cranny Mm -hmm. that they could comb through, and still no box. After a while, they all kind of came to the same conclusion that they'd all become re-consumed again by like this Mm. impossible mission and that they were most definitely not going to solve this mystery. And so they decided to leave the mansion for good. Hmm. And once again, their summer wind sat alone and empty, crumbling a little more with each passing year. Mm -hmm. It would remain that way until one stormy night in June of 1988. A brutal thunderstorm raged through the night, and lightning struck Summerwind multiple times, setting it on fire and burning it until all that remained was some of the foundation and like some of the chimney work and stuff, and then mm. a whole lot of ashes, and that wow. was it. And that's how it remains to this day. Throughout <laughs> the decades since Summerwind burned to the ground, historians and descendants of Jonathan Carver have continued their search for the land grant, but it still has never been located. Hmm. A couple, Harold and Babs Tracy, Oh, Harold and Babs. Harold and Babs. (laughs) They now own the land and the ruins of Summerwind. They, along with a man by the name of Craig Nearing, founder of Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, Hmm. have dreams of rebuilding an exact replica of Summerwind, restoring it to its former glory once and for all. But they're still in the fundraising stage of this process. They do have the actual original blueprints for the home, and they plan on following the schematic to the letter. People have visited the property over the years either to camp out or to work on cleaning the place up, like, little by little. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, the mystery of Summerwind Mansion has yet to be solved. Wow. So what was the deal with Summerwind? Was it actually haunted? And if so, why? What else happened there that could have led to such a dark energy in the home? Who did the skeleton in the crawl space belong to? Does that person have anything to do with the spiritual unrest of the home? Was Jonathan Carver's land grant a real thing? Does Summerwind have anything to do with the mystery surrounding the land grant? Mm -hmm. There are just so many questions and so few answers about this place, but maybe we'll luck out and at some point we'll get maybe one of them answered in our lifetime. But yeah, so for today's episode, I got most of my information from a book called Haunted Summerwind, A Ghostly History of a Wisconsin Mansion by Devin Bell. And there's also a really great episode about Summer Wind on the TV show A Haunting, which I watched hmm. on Prime if anyone's interested. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I have for you today. Woo! An unsolved mystery. A very unsolved 
very mystery, mystery, <laughs> very creepy, very unnerving. Yeah. Dang. I am just Isn't that like, a weird place. That is such a weird place. And I would be, I'm so curious to see at some point when it gets rebuilt, mm-hmm. if the hauntings continue. Or, or if they'll if, all lose their money while they're trying. <laughs> yeah, that too. Or if it's just a matter of like, because whatever was in the walls, because we we know at least one body was, mm-hmm. that everything has been burned and it'll get like a refreshing, you know, yeah. who knows. Um, Cleansing fire, that yeah. old bit. Well, actually, it's interesting because Summer Wind was voted one of the nine most haunted places in the United States by Time Magazine in the 80s. Wow. I think before it burned down. So it's famous for its mm-hmm. hauntedness. Yeah, and That's in crazy. Wisconsin, it's like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of creepy things that have happened in Wisconsin. You guys got a lot going on up there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like top-tier haunted yeah. place, like wow. legendary haunting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm... I'm shocked. The one thing that jumped out to me in this story is that a lot of things sound very poltergeisty. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's the one thing that has come back around throughout the story is, okay, is there a poltergeist or are there multiple poltergeists? Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that would be, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in that concept yeah. of a ghost that just likes to cause trouble. Right. <laughs> well, so. I think that this one, I don't know. I think it's a little frustrating because it doesn't make sense why it's haunted. True. Like, as far as we know, there wasn't any, I mean, maybe there was a murder there. Maybe that was a, somebody who climbed into the wall during the time that the home was abandoned and got stuck. Could be. Could be. Yeah. You you don't really know. We don't, we don't know. There's just so many things that we don't know, Mm -hmm. but it's like the level of, intensity of the hauntings and like the experience that the Hinshaws mm. had. Yeah. And like how many people's lives and finances were destroyed by this place. Like mm-hmm. if those things are to be believed, what the heck are we dealing with with <laughs> summer wind and how do places like this exist on our oh, planet? Yeah. Blows yeah. my mind. It's I feel like there has to be yeah. a reason, but it doesn't seem like there's one. Like it, there's it nothing just clear. Is randomly crazy. And yeah. Hmm. Right. Ooh, so. Well, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story. Um, If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite listening platform and that you leave a glowing five-star review. Those reviews help other people find this podcast, especially if they already are into these kinds of stories. Um, And also make sure that you are following us on social media at This One Is A Doozy on Instagram and TikTok. And this one's a doozy podcast on Facebook as well. And then you can connect with us directly, even more directly, because you can obviously, you know, leave comments, send us DMs, all this kind of stuff. But there's another great way to really connect with us. My love, why don't you tell them a little bit about Patreon? Yes. So you can connect with us over on Patreon. You can follow the link in our Instagram bio or in our Facebook about section. Or you can go to patreon.com slash doozypod. Mm -hmm. And for $5 a month, you can support what we're doing on our show. Supporters of the show will get access to ad-free content as well as bonus content at least twice a month, which is Mm -hmm. super fun and exciting. As well as access to polls where you can vote on things like episode topics as well as which organization we'll be donating to monthly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week for another doozy. Thank you, guys. Bye.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.